Erica Peak. Come on, let's go. Woo, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to our online friends. What an honor it is to be here this morning. I'm just going to be very transparent with you. When I got the text message from Pastor Brandon, I was like, oh, he pushed the wrong person in the contact. I was just so surprised that he had reached out to me and asked me to do this. But here is what I'm learning and I'm so humbled by. I am just in awe in who God is. God can use any of us to bring people closer to his heart. And I am so honored to be here. My prayer has been to give God the glory. I think about my children when people tell me, um, Colt did a good job, or Kendall or Kyler, they did a good job at something. It truly, truly pleases me. And that is my prayer this morning, that I will <clears throat> please God this morning. Thanks again so much for having me. I love to introduce myself. I am Erica Peak, and uh, Travis and I have been attending Radiate Church for 11 years now. I'm married to him, by the way. And we have three children together. One is nine, and that is Colt. He actually got to sit on the front row with me. He probably belongs in the 10 o'clock service because he kept making little comments. And I was like, yeah, buddy, that's it. Uh, so, and then I have Kendall, who is five, and I have Kyler, who is wild and two. And when I introduced Kyler, that's when Colt said, yeah, he's a cowboy. And I was like, he's a cowboy. So today, y'all, I am just so excited to share with you about what God has put on my heart. Pastor Brandon introduced this series last Sunday, and he said that we are in the mixtape Series. So if you would title this message as We Are Family in song form, We Are Family. What? Wicka, wicka, what? I got all my people with me. Yeah, see, that's, the, that's who my kids see during the summer. See, God opened up the door for me to homeschool, and I'm super excited because mama during the school year is this. Mama during the summer is woo! So they get to see in between mama. So today, I'd love to share with you more about this mixtape series. I keep going back to my cassette. My first cassette was TLC, all right? TLC was my first group now, and two other girls and I thought we were TLC, and I was left eye. So this third grader walked around with a black patch under her left eye. Yeah, I know, Jesus saves. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't walk around with an eye patch under my eye. I don't know if you would have married me. I think you would have. So y'all, today I'm going to share with you what it looks like to have a faith-filled life. But most importantly, how does your faith-filled life look like between Sundays? And how does that cultivate a faith-filled family? I want to put this out there for you. My family looks different from your family. Our circles look different. The people we're in homes with look different. But the people that you do your closest, closest life with, that is your family, and that is what we are going to talk about today. How does your life or your faith-filled life and your faith-filled family, what do they look like between Sundays? What does that look like between Sundays? So a quick definition 
of faith is believing or having complete trust in someone or something. But it is the object of our faith that makes all the difference. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11.1 that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. And further along in Hebrews 11.6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards them for seeking him, earnestly seeking him. Biblical faith is to have confidence and confident hope and certainty in what we do not see. And God has to be the object of our faith. Our faith pleases him, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Pastor Brandon gave you a little overview, but mine and Travis's faith journey started 11 years ago when we gave our life to Jesus. We both have been on this journey together, and the journey has not been a smooth, smooth journey. We have twists. We've had turns. I said it was like red light, green light, green light, red light, woo, turn. We've had a lot of twists and turns in our faith journey. Y'all, our faith has brought us through some of the brightest, most beautiful moments in our life, but we've also seen some of the saddest and the darkest times in our life. But it was through Christ where our faith increased as we trust him and we committed our life to him and we walked out this journey side by side. Now we have three children and parents, I do want to talk to you for a second. Our children are our mission field. We are called to raise holy children, set apart. We are called to disciple and to train them up in the ways of the Lord. Our faith may be our children's first view of God. The people who are watching you, the people you do your closest life with, your faith may be the first view of God. As a family, we read God's word, we pray together, we love and care for people the best that we can. And those should be non-negotiables, but I love how our pastor says it, and some of you know what I'm about to say. More is caught than taught. We must first be the example. Our faith must be the first example in the people that God puts us with. It should be their first example. So the way we live between Sundays not only impacts us, but our families too. Children not only see what we put our faith in or the people who are watching you, they may not only see what you put your faith in, but they will do it in excess. Let me ask you some questions to see where you stand in faith. Remember, I was a school teacher, so we're just going to kind of talk about where do you stand with your faith. And so just to yourself, as I ask you these questions, just think, is that all he is? And then we're going to flip it, and then I want you to ask, is this how you view him? Is God just a bedtime prayer? Is he just your scripture on Sunday morning? Is he your pastor on Sunday morning? Is God your favorite worship song? Is he just your once-a-month life group? Is he someone else's opinion? Is he your serving role at church? Is he your Google search? Is he your quick Instagram theology? Who is God? Or is he your hope and assurance 
the first one you go to prayer? Is he your truth with the word of God across your knee every single day? Is he the overflow of your heart? You just can't help he keeps coming up in conversations. Is he your father who loves and corrects you? Is he your shepherd who gives you protection and rest? Is he your shepherd who gives you is he your creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who calls the stars out by name? Is he your maker, the one you knew, or the one who knew you before your mother, your mother ever knew, the one who knitted you in your mother's womb for a purpose and on purpose? Is he above all else, the one who gets your worship? See the difference? The way we view God impacts our faith and will impact those around us. I've shared with you the what and the who, but now let's talk about the how. How do we live between Sundays as a faith-filled family? Faith-filled means you actually got to fill your faith. I think about buckets like this, this little sand bucket. Some parents are like, no, don't bring out the bucket and shovel because you know what you do at the beach all day. I just want to read. Please let me read. You fill it up, you put it over, and it's do it again. Okay, faith is like that. Faith is like that. Faith is picking up your shovel and filling your faith bucket. Yes, it's going to get turned over. Yes, it might get stumped on. But you pick your bucket back up and you fill it up. That is being faith-filled. You have got to pick up the shovel and you have got to fill your faith bucket. I want to just remind you that our family is not a perfect filled family, so everything that I'm going to share with you has been straight conviction. It has been encouragement through God's grace and forgiveness. We are not perfect filled. Only Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, but I am so grateful that more is caught than taught, and I follow and we follow the example of the one who has the perfect filled faith. He is the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. And that is why the first thing we need to fill our faith is to believe in Jesus for salvation. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus. Do you know we're all wired for a savior? And that's Jesus. That's why when we go looking for saving in other places, we always end up empty. We always end up thirsty. We always end up hungry. And we're in this vicious cycle, and we just don't understand why we're always left empty, and we're stuck in these dark places that nobody knows about. And that is because only Jesus can satisfy that hunger. Only Jesus can quench that thirst. Only Jesus can find you in the darkest Place. Jesus says in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Our life has no meaning when we are separated from God. Jesus gives us access to the Father through salvation. Y'all, salvation means to be delivered from your sins and the consequence that you deserve. And we have a gift from Jesus, where he delivers us from that. But we first must believe that Jesus took sin upon himself. He took the debt of our sin and credited our account. We must believe that Jesus died in our place, taking the punishment that we deserve. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, proving his victory over sin and death. A faith-filled family and a faith-filled life first starts with placing our faith in Jesus our living hope. Then your hunger will be satisfied. Those sins that you've been 
bonded to, chained by, will be taken away. You will be washed clean. You will be forgiven. The light will find its way back into those dark places of your life, and you no longer have to be a slave to your sin. You will know your truest, truest best friend. You will know your shepherd. Your faith in Jesus will give you confidence give you faith, confidence, and certainty that life does not end with death but leads to eternity with him. If you have not given your life to Jesus and you know that's a place where God is knocking right now and you feel that pull and that tug and you want Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation is a gift. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. It was given to you. You have to believe and know with all your heart, and that gift will be given to you. You will be saved, and you will spend eternity with your Father. Our families need to see us walk out our salvation by showing them what Jesus did on the cross. This means asking for forgiveness. In our family, we say sorry is an action. That's my way of telling my kids, there's repentance. Repentance means turn away from your sin. Do no more. They need to see us walking that out. What does it look like to receive forgiveness and not take advantage of it? They need to see us in prayer. They need to see us turning away from that sin. And, y'all, they need to see us living out God's truth. That's the next thing that we do. The second thing that we should do to fill our faith, to trust God's word. Trust God's word. God's word is infallible. Infallible means incapable of error, meaning it's never wrong. It's completely trustworthy. And simply put, the Bible will never fail because the author of the Bible, which is God, is unfailing. Every verse in the Bible is inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says this, that all scripture is breathed out and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training up in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for good work. God cannot breathe out error. That is why he is trustworthy. He used prophets and he spoke through them to record his story of redemption, love, grace, forgiveness. The Bible is the main source to God and his plan for each of us. If we trust and believe that God's word is true, we believe in his existence, his son's sacrifice, in his plan for me and for you. And so it is God's word that will anchor us to our faith. Because, y'all, that perfect, pleasing, good plan that he has for us We can't see the other side of it. God has aerial view. We have lateral view. I said earlier, he had that drone view. You know what I'm saying? He knows the plan. He knows the plan, but we do not. But we have to trust in the one who does know the plan. And that is God's word that is going to anchor us to that and anchor us to faith. Think about an anchor. An anchor positions a vessel in a spot where it will not leave. It retains its position, so it cannot be pulled away during a storm. It cannot be pulled and twisted and turned and taken off from its location. And just like an anchor, our faith holds our position. God's word will hold our faith position. I want to go ahead and tell you this, that conditions are going to get heavy. 
you're going to face storms. You're going to be pulled, and you're going to sway, and you're going to be tossed, and you're going to be turned. But it is God's word that is going to anchor you so you will not. You want to be able to retain your position when the storm comes because guess what? Faith does not exempt you from the storm. It anchors you to the one who's going to get you through the storm. And if we're not anchored to him, we're going to be pulled by lies. We're going to be pulled by doubts. We're going to start second-guessing who this God is. We're going to start second-guessing our faith and what we truly believe. We're not going to know what to do when we do go through a storm. We're going to feel completely empty. And we're going to be pulled so far away from the truth, we may not know how to find our way back. So anchor yourself to God's word. I think about this too with my children. We read God's word together, and I want them to be anchored in God's word. But let me just share a story with you because some of you may be thinking, yeah, right, my kid won't listen to a book. I feel you. I feel you. Let me tell you, my firstborn baby, he came out in a womb listening to a book. We'd be sitting in little circles together, and I'd be reading to him. And he just, oh, I love it. And it was so awesome. I was like, I'm such a good mom. You know, I thought I had it going on, right? And then the second one came. And he didn't want to have anything to do with a book. He wanted it as a teether. He wanted to launch it across the room. He wanted to run away from it. And so, you know, I'm so bothered by this. I'm going to go to my daughter. I'm not going to ask my daughter when my baby's going to walk. I need to know when my baby's going to listen to a book. Okay? And so I go to the doctor, and I'm talking to the doctor about him not listening to books. Megan, you know that bothered me. It bothered me bad. And I was like, he just won't sit and listen to a book. What should I do? You know what he said? Keep reading. He will hear it. Keep reading. He will hear it. And so you know I'm going to do the assignment. He start running out the door. Brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? I see a red bird looking at me. I'll be right there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to complete the assignment. And let me tell you this. Cows, you know that's true. My baby loves to read now. What you think about that? So just chase your baby with a book, and he will love it. And so God's word is the same. If your kids seem like they're not paying attention to God's word, don't let their response alter what God's called you to do. You keep opening up the Bible. You keep filling your home with scripture. You let them see you. You let them see you reading God's word. You let them see you reading it out. Because one thing I'm learning, it's not about the Bible. It's not about us mastering the Bible. It is about the Bible mastering us, letting it get into our hearts. Proverbs 3, 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways... Submit to him, and he will make your path straight. King James Version says he will direct your path. God asked you to trust him. He did not tell you that you had to be a scholar with the Bible and know everything. He wants you to trust him, and he doesn't want you to lean on your own understanding because your understanding is much, uh, it is not like his. He says to lean on his understanding, lean on him. And then get this, in all your ways, submit to him. Give it to him. Let him intercede. Let the Holy Spirit intercede on your behalf as you're reading scripture. 
as we read and trust God's word and we really get to know our Father, think about this. If you really want to get to know somebody, you spend time with that person. If you really want to develop a friendship with somebody, you can't just expect that friendship just to happen when you see them once every three months or you get on a polo once every five months, which wouldn't happen for me. But, um, <laughs> but if you want to develop a relationship with someone, you get to know them. And it is through God's word where you get to develop this communion with him, this loving community with him, you start to do life with God, which leads me to my next faith filler, the next thing to fill your faith bucket, and that is to pray about everything. Pray about everything. The Bible is a way for God to speak to us, and praying is a way that we get to speak back with him. Think about this. Prayer is access to God. You have access to the creator of the universe. During worship, we were told in, that he is a big God. And yes, he is. He is big. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. But he's so personal. And he hears you. And he sees you. And he wants you to know that you can come to him about anything in everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. Never stop talking to God. Keep praying. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. That's going to be stuck in your head. And I'm glad because you need to just keep praying. Turn everything into a prayer. Turn everything into a prayer. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer brings God's peace. That thought in your head that keeps weighing you down, Flip it. Turn it into a prayer. That problem you just can't figure out, and it's stressing you out, and somebody asks you a question, <laughs> I mean, I don't do that or anything, but that problem that just keeps going on in your head, flip it. Turn it into a prayer. I think we often believe we need some special formula, special words for God to hear us. But all it is, is talking to him all day long. You can turn your distractions into prayer. I won't be offended, but if you have a distraction in your head right now, turn it into prayer. That thing that just keeps popping in your head, there's a reason. God wants you to talk to him about it. Flip it and turn it into prayer. Those burdens, turn them into prayers. Those disappointments. Some of you are really struggling because there is a disappointment in your life and you are holding that disappointment to yourself you need to flip it and turn it into prayer and watch the peace that surpasses all understanding engulf your body and give you this gift of peace over it prayer is access to that we have to utter the words to him in order for him to work in our life. 
I love what this wise lady told me. Um, I consider her a mentor. She says, when you wake up in the morning, start with, good morning, God. Don't forget your comma. Okay? <laughs> good morning, God. Welcome him into your whole day. Don't start with your phone. Don't start with, I don't know what else you could start with. A lot of us turn to our phones. I start with, give me five more minutes. You know, don't even start with that. Start with, dear God, and welcome him into your entire day. And when you lay your head down tonight, you say, amen. Love your child. It is important for our families to see who we turn to first. Y'all, if you have children, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you're on 24-7 surveillance. You don't think they're paying attention, but they are. They know if they see you go to Google first, then prayer. They see if you go to gossip first. They see if you go to a text message. And they see what your forehead looks like when you're on your phone or when you're down on your knees. Now, I don't know about you. I want my kids to see me on my knees praying to God first. And that is the example that we want to leave, not just for our children, but the people that we are impacting, the people who are in our circle, they need to see us pray about everything. And the last faith filler that I want to share with you, it's a twofold, so it's going to take a little bit of extra digging. You're going to have to get down and dig a little bit more and fill that bucket up. Hopefully your kids won't flip it over. But we must walk by faith and walk out our faith. Walking by faith is a mindset. Think about your mindset. And walking out your faith is an action. Your mindset determines your actions. And guess what? Your actions determine your lifestyle. What does your lifestyle say about your relationship with God? Let's talk about what it means to walk by faith. Walking by faith is to have a heaven mindset. A heaven mindset. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, it says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You have been resurrected with Christ. So now set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. Now, I didn't say this in the first service, but you need to know, Paul is the author of this book. And let me tell you where he's writing this letter. He's writing it in a jail cell. Put some context on that. He's telling the people, the church of Colossae, to set your mind on things above while he's sitting in a prison cell for sharing the gospel. And so for him to go through that time in jail, in prison, and able to write that shows that a heaven mindset can break any circumstance that you feel defines you. Think about it like this. If you don't have a heaven mindset, maybe you have a comparison mindset. You compare yourself. You're stuck in that comparison trap. Your comparison mindset, guess what? Leads you with a jealousy mindset. If you walk by comparison, you have a jealousy mindset. What if you walk by fear? What does your mindset look like? Anxiousness. What if you walk by comfort? What does your mindset look like? Stagnant. What if you walk by the flesh? Your mindset is worldly. 
to set our minds on things above, we must first read and meditate on Scripture. We need to gather with like-minded and like-hearted people. We need to gather with our circles. We need to listen to uplifting Christian music. Listen, what you read and watch should turn your heart to God. Let that sink in. What you read and what you watch, does it turn your heart to God? Because if it doesn't turn your heart to God, that's probably an indication that you're not filling up a heaven mindset. I like it. I've heard it like this. Garbage in, garbage out. Life in, life out. See? I love what we're teaching our kids in uh, Radiate Kids back there. There's a series called Think About It. And we teach them the strategy called Catch It, Check It, Change It. And Catch It, Check It, Change It is a strategy where we're teaching kids, okay, from my little two-year-old to my nine-year-old how to catch a thought that is not from God check it with God's word, and then change it. This allows our kids to develop a heaven mindset. This comes from the scripture Paul writes in Romans 12, 2. This is what he says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will will. Renewing your mind is meditating on God's word and praying. I'm I'm sure you're hearing like a common theme in here. God's word, pray. God's word, pray. Renewing has the prefix re in it, which means do it again. Do it again. Developing a mindset doesn't just happen once. It has to become a habit. You have to do it. It's an ongoing process. It's every day. But the beautiful thing is when you renew your mind, You will not conform to the patterns of the world, but instead you will conform to the patterns of Jesus. Our mindset leads to our actions, which lead to our lifestyle. So we not only walk by faith, but we have to walk out our faith. Makes me think about that song. Y'all remember that song? Walk it out, walk it out. I told first, I was like, oh, I still got it. I still got it. (laughs) You got to walk out your faith. And James chapter 2, 17 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by actions, guess what? It's dead. Do you know why he says that? Further on in the scripture, this is James. This is Jesus' half-brother. He says that because he says, Even the demons believe in God. Even the demons believe in God. So what sets us apart from God? It's our actions. It's our overflow and the evidence of our faith. James 1, 22 says, Be doers of the word, not only hearers, deceiving yourselves. So much more than just hearing the word, but being active in the word. Being doers of the word is walking out your faith. And if you need to do the dance, go ahead. 2 Timothy 3.16 said, God has already prepared a good work for you. Putting our faith in action allows us to do those works. Faith-filled families are heaven-minded and act on their faith. 
together, our families need to see us be doers of the word. They need to see us walking out our faith. And if you got up this morning and you got your family here, that's part of it. We need to make sure our families see us walk out this faith by sharing the gospel. I love this quote. It says, everywhere you go, when necessary, use words. Everywhere you go, preach the gospel. When necessary, use words. That means it is your actions, your lifestyle that can lead people to Jesus. Being a faith-filled family doesn't happen overnight. I'm going to tell you right now, it is not overnight for us. We are still learning. I told you I felt extremely convicted when God was downloading this word in me. But it is every day that we are on this journey together. But you have to choose if you're going to pick up the shovel and dig or just look at it. You have to decide. You have to decide if you truly believe that Jesus is your Savior. You have to choose if you're going to trust God's word. You have to actively choose if you're going to let that thought, that distraction, that burden, that problem, that disappointment just sit here. Are you going to flip it and send it there? You get to choose if you're heaven-minded. You get to choose if you walk out your faith. So your next step may look different from everyone in here. Maybe your first step is giving your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never declared with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him. Today, you will have that opportunity. And I pray that if you feel that tug on your heart, you know that the Lord is knocking on your heart. I pray that when we go into a prayer of salvation, I pray that you will pray that prayer along with me. Maybe you have given your life to Jesus, but your Bible is a dust collector. You pick up your Bible maybe once a week, and that's on Sunday. Pastor Brandon went through some statistics. It's four more times a week to beat the odds. Are we picking up our Bible at least four times a week? Maybe it's time for you to get in circles with people who are like-minded. Maybe it's time for you to get in circles with people who walk by faith. We have life groups. We have serving teams. We have incredible people here who would love to walk out this life with you. I would love to end in prayer and pray over you and pray over your families. So if you would, go ahead and bow your heads. God, I thank you. I thank you so much for your word. Your word that anchors us to our faith, God. Right now, I want to lead into a prayer for the person or the multiple people in here who have never given their life to your son, Jesus. There's nothing embarrassing about it. There's nothing we're going to do to make you publicly uh, stand up or anything like that. This is just between you and God. And so if you pray after me, if you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, pray with me. God, I give, your, God, I give my life to you today. It is through your son's sacrifice and resurrection that I learned today that I am saved. 
Today I declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. God, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for delivering me from the punishment that I deserved. Thank you for giving me access to the Father. God, thank you for this gift that is going to help me live by faith and walk out my faith. God, I'm tired of just Sunday mornings feeling up and then Mondays I'm empty. Or maybe this is your first time here and you want to grow closer to Jesus. This is the way. I give my whole life to you. I want to commit and walk out this life with you, God. Thank you and amen. And I'd love to pray over everyone in here. God, thank you for every family that's in here. No matter what the family looks like, Lord, let it be their prayer over their kids. Let it be their prayer over their people, God, that they believe in Jesus for salvation. God, let it be their prayer that your word would just soak into their hearts, that they cannot um, retain what you are doing through them, God, that they have to go out and act on the overflow and the evidence of their faith, God. I pray that as they're going through the day, Lord, that they don't forget you, that you would be their direct line. God, I pray this over them, and I pray this over their families. And God, I pray today that we can walk out with a heaven mindset. Let us think on things above. It's so, so easy to get caught up in what the world tells us to think. But God, it's your word that tells us how we should think. And God, let us go out today. Let's not just sit in this service and let this just be a message from some girl who did a weird dance on the stage, God. Let this be more than that. Let this be a message that is going to radically change their life and that they have to go out and do something about it. And if you would keep your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you prayed a prayer of salvation earlier, I just would love for you to just slip your hand up. God, we thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. I hope we bring glory to your name for the rest.